I'm Micah Boyette, and you're listening to The Slow Way. This is a podcast about the slow goodness of pursuing a sacred love that transforms everything, including you and me. It's a quiet space where all of us frantic strivers, serial doers, and weary achievers are invited in for a moment of reflection, an opportunity for prayer, and a chance to practice going slow in a world that often values only speed, success, and power. Our culture loves to tell us that life is frantic and there's nothing we can do about it. Friends, we know what's real. The true thing is deep down underneath the surface where love lives. And sometimes we just have to stop long enough to notice. So let's try. Have a seat. Just for a few minutes, let's go the slow way. I was in San Francisco with my family the day of the shooting in Uvalde. It had been a beautiful visit with friends, and my heart was filled up seeing my older boys reconnect with their besties from kindergarten, and Ace being loved and cared for by his two days part friend Jonah, who receives Ace in a way that makes my heart sing. We were sleeping in the spare room of my dear friend Liz and her husband Ryan, whose wedding I had the honor of performing a couple of years ago. Ace and I had walked 60 blocks from Liz's house to our friends in the outer Richmond, and I'd soaked in every step along some of my favorite streets and parks. And then, news that little ones in Texas had been shot and killed in their classroom. What do you do with information like that when it comes to you? We all understand the disbelief and disconnection that comes first. The feeling of horror and helplessness and separation from the event. How do we hold grief for situations and people we don't know? There are as many ways to deal with trauma as there are types of personalities. This is a discussion we're having more and more these days as we are more and more capable of knowing the details and often able to see the images of every terrible tragedy that occurs in this world. How do we hold it all? How do we grieve in a way that leads us to action? And how do we also enjoy and celebrate the goodness in our own lives while knowing that somewhere, everywhere, there are people suffering? This is a question I ask myself and that I asked that day when I got the news about the school shooting. What is the appropriate way to respond? Is there a moment when the suffering around us becomes too much, when we can't hold it all anymore? And we retreat into our small circles of relationships and focus on the world we can see and touch and experience in the places we live. In her New York Times article, The Arrow in America's Heart, Elizabeth Dias quotes Rabbi Michael B. Springer, who says that part of valuing human life is found in the willingness to, quote, truly grieve, to truly face the reality of suffering. 
It's not that we don't care, Springer said. We've reached the limit of how much we can cry and hurt, she said. And yet we have to. We have to value each life as a whole world and be willing to cry for what it means that the whole world has been lost. I didn't know how to hold the suffering of Uvalde that day because I wanted to be present with the people I see so rarely. And there's nothing wrong with that. We need to be present to the needs and joys of the relationships around us. But when I awoke the next morning, I was so grateful to find that David Gunger, one of the pastors at my church, had posted an IG Live the night before in which he sang songs of lament for whoever needed to hear them. Watching that video from the squeaky air mattress bed where I'd been sleeping with my babies on the floor around me was the kind of invitation I needed to feel the reality of the loss that children, God's beloveds, had been massacred in the place where they should be nourished and protected. That time of listening to Songs of Lament moved me to send an email to my congressional leaders calling for the passing of gun control bills in the House and Senate. This week, I've been listening to Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart. She's such a speaker, and I highly recommend her audiobook. And I've been drawn to her definition of contentment and its relationship to gratitude. As I've thought about contentment and gratitude in the midst of so much suffering and loss around us, I've been challenged to consider what it is to practice holding grief for the world and contentment in the same hand. Brene says we do that through the practice of gratitude. She quotes Robert Emmons, a psychologist and the world's leading expert on gratitude, when he explains that research shows that the positive emotions are the ones that wear off quickest. We all know that feeling when the thing we've dreamed of, worked for, or longed for becomes reality and, over time, slowly fades into normal life. We forget how good we have it. Eamon says, quote, Our emotional systems like newness. They like novelty. They like change. We adapt to positive life changes so that before too long, the new car, the new spouse, the new house, they just don't feel so new and exciting anymore. But gratitude makes us appreciate the value of something. And when we appreciate the value of something, we extract more benefits from it. We're less likely to take it for granted. In effect, I think gratitude allows us to participate more in life. We notice the positives more, and that magnifies the pleasures you get from life. With gratitude, we become greater participants in our lives as opposed to spectators. End quote. Brene uses that idea to explain that contentment is actually a practice. We can't be content unless our emotional systems recognize that we have something good in our lives. And the way we learn to recognize that, instead of moving on to the next thing we need more of, is to, quote, appreciate the value of what we have. And in doing so, to magnify the pleasures in our lives. So what does this have to do with the shooting 
in Uvalde or the shooting in Tulsa this past week or the one in Buffalo three weeks ago or the millions of lives lost in the pandemic. I believe that as we learn to value the goodness in our lives, we find the emotional strength to hold the pain of the world, to grieve collectively, and to recognize that no suffering outside of us or inside of us can be fixed by the accumulation of more. I went from San Francisco to LA, from Liz's house to my sister-in-law Charlotte's, from the familiar streets of San Francisco to the wackadoodle silliness of Universal Studios. And the practice of living wholeheartedly, I'm learning, means finding ways to hold the broken collective heart of this country while choosing to appreciate the value of my time with my little crew of people. When we learn to live as people who value human life and allow ourselves to suffer when lives are lost, we also learn to value human life by honoring the gifts in front of us. Ace riding his first roller coaster, August stepping right back into the friendships he made in kindergarten. The sweetness of walking with Brooksy past the streets where I pushed him in a stroller during his baby years. That's gratitude. And true gratitude should lead to contentment, allowing us to live outside the scarcity of needing more and more in order to find happiness. But it should also lead to grief because we honor human life and we believe everyone deserves that kind of contentment. And maybe wholehearted grief leads to action too. Calling our leaders, demanding change. Could it be that this is the way of Jesus? Gratitude, contentment, grief, and action. Then doing it all over again until all things are made new. A slow practice. So, contentment is actually a practice. But how do we practice it? I wonder if we can start by noticing our natural instinct to accumulate more. Whether that more refers to possessions, fun, or distraction. There is a natural temptation to deal with the pain of the world by finding something fun to do. Having a drink to take the edge off, relying on relationships to distract us. But in order to be people who have the courage to work toward peace and justice, we are invited to focus our fear and grief into the present moment, to find enough gratitude to see the value of our lives without the instant distraction of a screen or the easy numbing of a drink or the cortisone-inducing diversion of buying something new. Gratitude keeps us in the present moment and gives us the presence of mind to be content in our own lives so we can serve the common good. Today, I want us to practice gratitude. There's a tiny verse in Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 4. 
when he says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. I feel like we can make this the heart of our spiritual practice all day, every day. To be watchful in the moment, to be awake to the mystery of goodness, of the divine in our lives. And that should lead us to gratitude, even when the world is terrifying. So how do we do it? As you move through your day-to-day, I invite you to stop for what Macrina Weiderker calls seven sacred pauses. Set your alarm on your phone for early morning, mid-morning, lunch, mid-afternoon, late afternoon, evening, and night. Seven moments in your day. You don't have to do anything fancy, but when your little reminder goes off, stop for a moment and pray a breath prayer of gratitude. I want us to practice right now. And this is pretty easy, guys. Here we go. Breathe in. Holy One, this moment is a gift. Breathe out. Thank you for... And you can just say whatever good thing is in front of you in the moment. And that's it. Seven times a day. Breathe in. Breathe out. A reminder to be grateful for the small thing in front of you. And speaking of smallness, it's the small habits that are often the most transformational. Thanks for listening to The Slow Way. Choosing a moment of quiet and allowing yourself to be slow here with me is no small thing. When we move even for a few minutes at a pace that refuses to conform with the culture around us, we make space for God, for wisdom, for a vision of ourselves and others that can only be seen when we take the time to pay attention. What I'm trying to say is, 
we make space for love. So well done, friends. I'm proud of us. I want to thank Val Schleter for managing my social media. Also, Jason Boyette for designing our slow weight graphic. And of course, the talented Angelina Marie for editing. If you're interested in more words on the slow way, you can sign up for my newsletter at micaboyette.com. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at micaboyette and find my book found wherever books are sold. And you can review The Slow Way on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps people find us. But you know, you know what I'm going to say. Do the important stuff first. Until next time, friends, let's go the slow way.